You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We've been working our way through uh, the Sermon on the Mount as we work our way through the whole book of Matthew that we're we're, we're doing. If you're new to the vine, we, we, we like to take sections of Scripture, like books of the Bible, we'll probably do this 90% of the time, and just walk through it verse by verse to see what the Bible has to say. And so we're doing that now in the book of Matthew, the first gospel, the first book in the, in the New Testament. And today we're focusing on Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. And I want to, before I even read the text, I want to just give a short disclaimer. Today we're going to talk about fasting and what does Jesus have to say about fasting and how you go about fasting. But just a quick disclaimer, there's people in the room that probably obedience to the Lord would be to not do what I'm going to bring out from what the Bible says today. So some of you uh, maybe are pregnant and so fasting isn't for you right now. Or some of you... Um, are on certain medications, and your doctor would say, fasting probably isn't wise for you right now. Maybe you have a lifelong medical condition where fi- fasting would not be appropriate for you. Um, some of you have struggles with eating disorders in various forms. And so this text could be um, a type of a trigger. And so I just want to say from the outset, uh, this doesn't apply to you. And that's, you know, an eating disorder sermon would be a different sermon for a different day. Okay, but I just want you to know that that's in the background, and we're aware of that. And so just hear that as we start out today, okay? All right, so Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. Let's, let me read it here for us. Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, before we dive into the details here, let's just stand back and look at what's going on more broadly in chapter 6. So you might remember four, three weeks ago, we talked about earlier parts of chapter 6. So what Jesus is getting at here is how do we go about practicing some of the normal means of being a Christian? Things like generosity, giving, things like praying, and today, fasting. How do we do that in such a way that we don't draw attention to ourselves, that we don't do this for the wrong reasons? There's a way to practice these spiritual disciplines to make it really ultimately all about me. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you pursue yourself, if you pursue these things for attention, like the the, the hypocrites of Jesus' day were doing it, you're going to get a a reward. There'll be a reward of like, oh, look how spiritual you are. Let me pat you on the back for how spiritual you are. But that's the end of it. That's the end of your reward. 
And if God is our creator and he is our father and he knows us and he loves us and he says that if you don't do it that way, you'll get a reward from me, how much better would it be for us to pursue his way, pursue his reward? Doesn't it make sense that his reward would be better than our contrived reward that we come up with? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying you don't need to be a slave to people's approval. Who cares who is watching? Who cares what they say? Really, in this sense, there's an audience of one. And so you should be pursuing the audience of one when it comes to prayer, when it comes to giving, and now this, this week when it comes to fasting. All right? That's the big point from chapter Six. Now, with all that in mind, let's dive into the, the specifics a little bit of this text. Look at verse 16. Let me read it again. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their, face, that their fasting may be seen by others. So like doing it with other people checking you out is really in view. He says, truly I say to you, they have received their Reward. Now, look at the very beginning here. What does Jesus say? He says, and if you fast, wait, that's not what it says, is it? Did you notice what it says? It says, when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast. Jesus says, when, that, that's an important distinction, right? See, the assumption here from Jesus is that his followers will make fasting a part of their life. Now, you heard my disclaimers at the beginning, right? Okay. So that aside, if you're not in that group, fasting is going to be normal for you, according to Jesus. Now, why would Jesus make an assumption like that? Why would he say that? Let's talk about this. I think for many of us, myself included, the practice of refraining from eating for the sake of consecration or prayer or increased focus on the Lord, isn't all that true in our lives? Like, we have a lot of other spiritual disciplines that, at least in the Christian culture that I've been raised in, we talk about a lot more. We talk about Bible reading a lot more. We talk about prayer a lot more. We talk about generosity. We talk about evangelism. We talk about serving. We talk about repentance and forgiveness. Lots of different, like, normal means of being a Christian Fasting oftentimes isn't listed as one of those. Maybe that's true in your experience as well. But Jesus assumes it. And so we should ask ourselves, well, why is that? But before we answer the why question, I think it's important for us to just understand, because I think for a lot of us, there's not like a broad biblical understanding of fasting. And so let's just do that real quick. I want to just give you a quick overview of the experience of fasting as it's presented from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible, okay? Let me just rattle off a few ways that we see. In the Bible, people practice fasting, number one, for bereavement, right? They refrain from food as an expression of sadness. Like, oftentimes, you can think about it like this. We eat as a form of celebration. Like, if there's a party, there's going to be a huge spread of food. It'd be weird to show up at a party where you're celebrating something, like the wedding reception where you're celebrating a marriage and you show up to the reception and there's nothing to eat or drink, you'd be like, huh, that's kind of weird, right? So food is oftentimes equated with celebration, but if you're really, really sad, you don't want to have any part of celebration. 
So you might refrain from eating as an, as an expression or an experience of sadness, bereavement. Secondly, distress. This might be similar. I'm not in the mood for celebration because I'm deeply dis- distressed. So I'm going to refrain from eating for a period. Thirdly, penitence. I'm deeply grieved over my sin. Sin has been my pattern. And so I want to consecrate myself to God. Sin's been my pattern. I don't want that way of life anymore. I want to be fully engaged with the Lord. I don't want to be fully engaged with sin anymore. I don't want anything to distract me from my full engagement. Food can be a distraction, so I'm just going to refrain from that for a second. might be an expression of penitence. Um, It might also be, biblically, seeking God's intervention. Like, God, we need your help. You see this in the Old Testament all the time. People pray and they fast when they're pursuing God's help in a profound, passionate way. We want to be sobered to how needy we are right now. We don't want to have the illusion that we have all of our needs met, that we got it all together, like food can do that, got a full belly, I'm feeling good, all's good in the world. No, it's not good in the world. So because we're so needy, we need so much help, and so we're going to fast to express and focus on the Lord who is the giver. It might be seeking guidance or decision-making. You see this clearly in Acts chapter 13. The church is sending out new missionaries, and the Bible says that they pray And they fast. They go together, prayer and fasting, for the sake of seeking guidance from the Lord. And we're going to pray and ask the Lord. We're going to fast and ask the Lord. And, and, yep, okay, it seems like these are the right guys. By faith, we're sending them out. And then finally, uh, you see it just as a means to indicate earnestness. Indicate a seriousness. Like, I want to communicate to the Lord and to myself that, God, you are more important than food. And here's a tangible way I'm going to do that. I'm going to refrain from food for a period. So broadly speaking, bereavement, distress, penitence, seeking God's intervention, seeking guidance, decision-making, indicating earnestness, these are all normal ways that people in the Bible have experienced fasting. That's just kind of a quick overview. I just want you to know there's a diversity of motivations for fasting in the Bible. But I want to focus on our text for today now. Let's go back to the text. Jesus says, and when you fast. So he assumes that Christians are going to fast. He doesn't spell out the reasons why necessarily, just assumes that we will do it here in our text. Now, I want to think about our culture for a second. In our culture right now, as I've observed maybe in the last five, ten years, There's been, Christian or non-Christian, there's been more of an emphasis on different types of fasting. Like this has been much more popular in like fitness, exercise kind of circles. People doing things like intermittent fasting for the sake of health, maybe for the sake of weight loss. Meaning like I'm going to, for example, not eat breakfast and lunch and I'm just going to eat one meal a day at dinner. Um, that's called intermittent fasting. It's become very popular. Uh, fasting also as a form of cleansing the body. There's different ways to go about that, to pursue health. Um, that's very popular for some. I know a lot of people that do that. Other forms of limited fasting are popular as well. Fasting from different types of food. So there's this diet that my wife and I have done just kind of as a challenge and to pursue health called Whole30, right? 
I know um, my friend Amy and some others here have done it and, you know, big fans, right? Yeah, maybe not. It's hard. It's, um, it's no sugar, no dairy, no carbs and some other stuff uh, for 30 days. And we've done that as a form of fasting. And I'll talk about that more in a second. Now, think about this. These things may or may not be good, right? So in, on the one hand, if we're pursuing fasting with like a health motivation, that may or may not be a good thing. Now, it could be a great thing because I've got a good doctrine of creation. And the doctrine of creation says God created my body. And he says repeatedly it's good in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And so I want to agree with the Lord. And if he says my body is good, I'm not going to despise my body. And I want to take care of my body because the Lord values it. And so this might be a form of taking care of the body. That might be a good thing, right? But remember the text that we read. What does Jesus say about our fasting, our pursuit of health maybe in the form of fasting? Like does everybody need to know about my fasting, right? Do I need to talk about it all the time? Like, hey, I'm guilty of this. Like, oh, I'm doing Whole30. It's so hard. Like, man, my kingdom for a piece of chocolate cake, right? Like, I just can't. Man, this is so tough. Like, I'm guilty of that. Like, Instagram feed. Oh, Whole30. Hashtag Whole30. Check out my carrots that I'm eating today. Oh, it's so hard. You know what I mean? Like, why do I need to fill up the Instagram feed with all this information about doing Whole30? Jesus says, when you fast, do you need to be seen? Do you need eyeballs on you? Do you need people to notice? See, all this boils down to our heart motivation. That's what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 6. Like, what is your heart motivation? Like, you've got, you've got all this intense desire to talk about what you're doing all the time, this fasting that you're pursuing for the sake of health. You might be doing it for the wrong reasons. That's kind of the heart of what Jesus is saying here. What are your reasons? Like, in our culture too, like, there's a huge emphasis on external appearance. So a lot of us could be tempted to pursue fasting because really we're just fishing for compliments. I want, I want people to compliment me for how much weight I've lost. Oh, man, you've lost so much weight. You look great. What have you been doing? Well, you know. I don't want to... I don't want to fast because I love my body that God has said is good. I'm really doing it to be noticed. I want people to respect me for how much discipline I'm obviously showing here. Right? See, do you hear Jesus in this text and the ones we've seen in the last few weeks asking us about our heart motives when it comes to restricting our food intake? You hear that? You hear that? Verse 5, look at it. That they may be seen by others. Look at verse 16 again. That they may be seen by others. Jesus values our motivation. He wants us to ask those questions. 
So that's a little bit of commentary about our cultural landscape, right? And how we talk about fasting at times. And, and Jesus, though, he's not talking about an American mindset. He's talking about fasting, a spiritual, an intentionally spiritual form of fasting. That I'm going to pursue fasting for the sake of prayer. I'm going to pursue fasting for the sake of consecrating myself, not to food. I'm not going to consecrate myself to food. I'm going to consecrate myself to the Lord. Or I just want to be in, in tune with what's going on. I don't want to be deadened by having all of my needs met. I want to be reminded that the Lord is my giver, that I am needy. So I want to focus on that. That's why people in the Bible fast, and that's why people still fast sometimes today. So I just want to give you a couple reasons why I think fasting might be wise for us to consider in our Christian lives. I, I need to preach this to myself because this, for me, honestly, this has not been something that I've spent a lot of time pursuing. I pursue my Bible reading pretty regularly. Um, I try to pursue prayer pretty regularly. Fasting is not something that I've done, and I'm, I'm personally challenged by this. So you might join me in, in these reasons that I'm going to rattle off here. Number one, fasting can help us diagnose what we're trusting in. Fasting can help us diagnose or discover what we're really trusting in. Now, as human beings, we have desires. That's no big surprise to any of us, right? We have desires. They come in various forms. They come at us in all different angles, right? I have a desire for food. I have a desire for friends, for money, for possessions, for sex, for power, for approval. And oftentimes these desires, there's a progression here. My desire can turn into what feels like a need, like, I really need this. And then the Bible says that need can turn into what feels like a demand. So desire goes to need. Need turns into a demand, right? And when our desire morphs into a demand or what feels like a demand, like I have to have this now, you know you're in dangerous territory. This is probably when your desires have morphed into idolatry. Okay, so here's the, here's the deal. Fasting is one way we can practice saying no to these idols that we're tempted to worship. Now, oftentimes this happens in the background of our lives. We're not even aware of it. Like our emotions might be kind of telling us something, but we don't pay attention to that. We don't realize how much desires we have have really turned into demands that we have. So let me give you an example. The first time... We did this crazy diet called Whole30. Man, that exposed some food idolatry in my life that I had no idea was there. So for me, I've got like this serious sweet tooth. Like I can pound some desserts, okay? Like one cookie is good, but five is better. I mean, that's kind of my creed, okay? And so if I eat one, I want to eat five. That's just how I am, okay? So Whole30, no sweets, no, no refined sugar, 30 days, you know, in, when I was younger, I would have like a bowl of ice cream every night, okay? That was just normal for me. Like, why not? Tastes good, do it, right? No problem. 30 days, no sweets. What comes out in my behavior? Man, I'm angry. I didn't know I could get angry about no ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, real, like really irritated, really annoyed. Like, annoyance was way closer to the surface 
than what it would have been normally. I couldn't have something that I wanted. My body was crying out for that. Now, sweets in and of themselves are not bad, right? But when you're denied something and you find yourself emotionally perturbed in a significant way, like tempted to lash out much easier, then you, then you know you're probably in the territory of idolatry. Here's something that, that I really want you to hear. Pay attention to your emotions, especially your emotions that are kind of disordered, your emotions that are out of whack. If you pay attention to that, oftentimes, very, very often, that's going to lead you to idols that you probably don't even know that you have. Why was I so angry? Because there's something that I wanted that I couldn't have. My body was demanding it, and I had to say no. Like, I didn't realize that was even present in my heart until it was exposed through fasting. See, if you intentionally take something away and find that you freak out emotionally, that might tell you something about what you're trusting in. A lot of us are trusting in food. Like, we talk a lot about the dangers of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, right, that's what Christians do. And, yeah, th there's dangers down those paths, for sure. We don't talk a lot about food, right? But there's this term, comfort food, for a reason, right? Because we're tempted to take comfort in food and not in the Lord. And fasting might be a way for us to diagnose that. Is that true in my heart or not? I don't want to pursue any comfort that's temporal. I want to pursue a comfort that's eternal, and that's only in one place. That's with King Jesus. So how am I going to diagnose that? I'm going to diagnose that maybe by refraining and see what happens. So if I, if I hold off on food for 24 hours and I flip out, that might tell me something about a heart idolatry that I have. If I hold off for 24 hours and it's okay, then maybe that might tell me, it might help me, okay, I'm not perfect in this area, but i got some other areas probably to focus on, right? Okay, so number one, fasting can help us discover what we're really trusting in. You see that? Secondly, I think it's good to, to make a practice of saying no to the desires of the flesh. And fact, fasting is a way to practice this, right? It's good at times, not all the time, it's good though intentionally at times to make a practice of saying no to the desires of the flesh. And fasting is a way of doing this. So in your Christian life, if your habitual practice is I desire something and I do it, no matter what it is, if it feels good, I do it. If I want it, I go for it. If that's just who you are, then I just, man, it's just hard for me to understand when you read your Bible and you read what Jesus says about those who follow him. And he says, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. Like if, if you're just pursuing your comfort zone habitually over and over again, how fast can I get in and settle into my comfort zone? What are you going to do when, G, when you hear Jesus say that? Because the cross is not comfortable. Like there's going to be a collision there, right, of what you're used to and what Jesus is calling you to. So practicing being uncomfortable intentionally might, for some of us, might be a really good thing. 
I need to practice sometimes saying no to my fleshly desires. It's, it's for the same reason why sometimes I feel like exercise for me can be a form of spiritual discipline. Like, I don't enjoy being uncomfortable in exercise. But if I go out for a run and I'm just preaching to myself, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to say yes to my flesh right now. My flesh is saying, stop. Why don't you just walk? It's, it's way be, it would be way easier. But I say, no, as a, as, as a discipline to like make my body submit to, to what I really want, I need to get used to that feeling of being uncomfortable. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to finish this, whatever, five miles or whatever. Fasting can be similar to that, right? And, and that feeling of sometimes intentionally for a limited time, I'm going to choose to be uncomfortable. Like that shouldn't be a foreign thing for those that follow Jesus. So, for example, here's just practically how this could flesh itself out in your life. So, if I've never been uncomfortable, if I've never practiced fasting, let's just say, and I go on a mission trip, and on that mission trip with the vine, maybe the food isn't that great. Or maybe there isn't as much food around as you would like. And you've never really been uncomfortable in that way before. Or you're just not used to being uncomfortable at all in any way. You could kind of emotionally freak out on that trip because there's not what you want right there. And so that could have effects on the team dynamic. It could affect on the people that are hosting you, right? But if you've made a habit of like, you know, being uncomfortable isn't that foreign. Like I've, I've, I've tested this, you know, and like saying no to meals once in a while for the sake of fasting. And so I go on this mission trip and it's not exactly what I want. It's not what my body desires. Well, it's really not the end of the world because I know what that feels like. It's not foreign to my experience. Does that make sense? Or just, you know, just in general saying no to the desires of the flesh. So like I'm driving my car, somebody cuts me off, and I want to lash out. Right? But if I'm in the habit of sometimes intentionally saying no to the fleshly desires, I'm used to being uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable to not lash out. But I've, I've learned because of habitual practice that it's okay to feel that way. I'm used to feeling that way sometimes. So I'm not going to satisfy the desire of my sinful flesh because I'm kind of used to that. Does that make sense? See, self-denial at times should not be foreign to our experience if we say that we're followers of Jesus. He kind of assumes it. That temporal self-denial leads to ultimately a long-term joy that you can't even describe. Right? But it's cross before the crown. It's death before the resurrection. It's short term before long term. That's the pattern of the Christian life. Okay? So maybe Jesus is going to lead you down a path where in the short term he's going to call you to something that's really uncomfortable. If you've maybe done fasting for once a week or once a month or whatever your model is, it might be a little bit easier to be used to where he's calling you in the short term for the sake of your long term joy. Does that make sense? So number two, it's good to say no to the desires of the flesh. And, and fasting can be a means by which we practice this. And then thirdly, fasting is really good for us because it's a tangible way 
to communicate to God and ourselves that there's something greater than food. Let me say that again. Fasting is really good for us because it's a tangible way to communicate to the Lord and to ourselves that there's something greater than food. What did Jesus say in Matthew 4, 4? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you want to have Matthew 4, 4? I don't live on bread alone. You want to have that verse come alive in your life? Maybe practice fasting. And see, like, do I believe Matthew 4, 4? That I'm going to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting is a way to communicate that. I just want to support this point with a couple quotes from a guy named Dan Doriani. He was a great author and teacher. He says this, the materialist says, if we have a drive, a desire, and a way to fulfill it, we should. Self-denial is pointless, even absurd. We fast, in part, to show that we are not animals. We are not slaves to our appetites. More than that, we fast to show that we have a hunger that exceeds our hunger for food. And then he goes on and he says this. We fast because fasting says, I do not live for my appetites. I set aside physical desires so that I may seek God in prayer, that I may desire God and his blessing. When we fast, we battle the relentless stream of appetites. We demonstrate that we do not live by bread alone. When we fast, the body grows weak. And that reminds us that we do not live by our strength, our provision, and our planning. And then he says this about his experience. I do not excel at fasting. My metabolism is high. I get very hungry, very fast. Nonetheless, fasting is good for me. I am a self-disciplined type. And fasting reminds me that I do not prosper by diet, exercise, and disciplined labor alone, but by the blessing of God. When we fast, we declare, Lord, you are my strength. So this morning, I wanted to close uh, just with a testimony. And I want to have my, my friend Tony come up. Uh, Tony's one of my best buds. And I know that he pursues fasting just because we're really good friends. And so I want to just interview him a little bit and have him share about his experience of fasting. So Tony, why don't you just give us an overview of like how the spiritual discipline of fasting has kind of um, flesh itself out in your experience. So I think it really started back when Kirsten and I, before we got married, I had the desire for our marriage to be blessed. And so for a year, we fasted every Tuesday, I think it was, for our marriage. And that just kind of set in motion a rhythm of the fasting once a week. Yeah. So what, what do you feel like um, has kind of, over the years that you've done this, what have you discovered about yourself what have you discovered about the practice? Like, why is it beneficial for you? Yeah, so for me, I think it's one of the more tangible ways as a spiritual discipline to be able to kind of quiet the desires and the appetites of my flesh, which is very strong. And it's sort of like this, there's tension here because it's like a, a proactive means by which you can humble yourself. And just feeling weakened physically and welcoming that as a spiritual practice has been really good to reveal what I mostly hunger for, or what I, what mostly where I find my, my strength and my faith in. And so just a willful practice of abstaining from that which I need yeah. and having more of a greater dependency on the Lord. Yeah. So could you just, like, paint a picture of, like, how you actually do this? Now, there's probably various ways to go about it. 
But like just in your experience, not that we're calling people to copy you, but like in your experience, like how do you go about it and like what do you do? Yeah, so I think I should say too that in the past 20 years I've had seasons of greater practice in this than others. But I, my goal is to fast once a week for breakfast and for lunch and try to have that lunch hour on Tuesdays be a quiet, phone silenced, get away to the library and have quiet study time, that kind of thing, and then have dinner with my family then later that night. And then also once a year to have like a week-long fast. Where so a week. Just, yeah, so a week of just... Like seven days. I usually get to about six, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The goal is seven. I usually end up breaking it a little bit early. You know, yeah. But yeah, a week. We'll round up. Yeah, so what... Since, what, we're, <laughs> since we're destroying the whole reward thing anyways by talking publicly. No, man. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm just trying to help people like really practically understand like, so you do that for six days. Like what, can you paint a picture of like what you're thinking at the time? Like what, what the feelings you are? Like, is it like this, um, like some people might hear this and go, well, maybe that's like the magic formula. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but what is it? Yeah. So I think the temptation is to have, you know, when we have such a, a we're so prone towards like work, like working things out and, you know, having the magic bullet towards spiritual success or whatever, you know, and so you want to fight that. But I think the, for me, I know the scripture says the flesh counts for nothing. The spirit gives life, right? Also, scripture says that, like, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he also says that it's without faith it's impossible to please God. So all these, like, really black and white things. And so when I see all those things, I don't want to be opposed by God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I want his grace. I know that I don't want the flesh in me to be the thing that's mostly driving me. I want the spirit that gives life to be the thing that moves me forward, and I know that t- t- taking food out of the picture requires a deeper faith in my provider of mm. my health in that, and so it's a, there's, there's a faith issue there, and then for me, kind of the most tangible thing is I know that, like, I have energy, I have high, I'm an energetic, passionate person, and so I know that, like, if I can silence that by saying no to the flesh and no to the things that I know that can easily drive me and I can kind of get by on my own strength by abstaining from the thing that I need to function in, it ends up becoming more so or less about what I'm abstaining from and more about what I'm pursuing. So in, my, in, in having an appetite for food, as that's, the, as that's increasing, my prayer always is that my hunger for the spirit, my hunger for the Lord would increase. And so... It's helpful for me to think of it less about what I'm abstaining from and more about what I'm pursuing, if that's helpful. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good, Tony. Um, yeah, that's good, man. Let's give it up for Tony. Thanks, man. All right. Yeah, come on. You give me a hug. Yeah, I'm so thankful for that testimony. And, and um, yeah, in the end, we just want to commend, um, ultimately, like, uh, the, the biblical pattern is this. Ephesians 4 says we're going to put off the flesh and we're going to put on uh, about, uh, being made new in Christ. We're going to put on the clothing of Christ, okay? So we're going to put off. So uh, I just want to make sure this is clear. Like we're not just stopping eating, but we're stopping eating for a season to start maybe reading my Bible for 20 minutes. Or I'm going to pray about this issue for 15 minutes or whatever, okay? It's not just stopping. It's, it's stopping for the sake of starting something at a heightened level, okay? 
Let's just, I just want to make sure that's clear. This is, and also, we're, we want to commend this morning what Jesus says to us. That we don't do this because eyeballs are on us. Like, does, no one needs to know when you're fasting. Like, you shouldn't, like, put it on Instagram. You shouldn't let everyone know every five minutes how disciplined you are, right? But for the sake of our joy, uh, we're going to pursue this in the way that Jesus prescribes. And we believe by faith then that God's going to produce in us uh, a blessing. And, and he promises that and we pursue that. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth that we find in your word. We thank you for Tony's testimony. We thank you so much for how you promise to reward us. And so, Lord, we want to pursue your reward. We don't pursue our silly, temporal, manufactured reward. We want to pursue your reward. So, Lord, help us to believe you by faith that you know what you're talking about and that we can trust you. Lord, would you help us do that when it comes to giving, when it comes to praying, when it comes to fasting, Lord? Uh, We trust you. We trust your word. And we thank you so much for the fact that you give it to us. Not so that we can just believe that if we climb some ladder of good deeds, that you reward us. But no, that we are your sons and your daughters and that you love to reward us because of who you have called us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.